0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Fortress Comic News episode 340. I'm your only host this week, Chris. Mike is off on international business or something like that. Um, so no news section this week. We'll catch up on the news next week. A lot of cool stuff to talk about and uh, I want to sit down with Mike and talk about it because we always have fun doing that. But we do have a great interview for you. So we, or I sat down with Dan Connor, and Dan is the writer for the recent Nightmare Before Christmas comic, manga, whatever you want to categorize it as, uh, series that is now in a collected edition that you can get from Tokyo Pop. He's also done some cool variant covers and uh, done some independent comics over the years worked for different companies so he has some cool stories to tell and uh just a lot of fun stuff about working in different comic companies uh dealing with the ins and outs of these companies doing some store exclusive variants some different covers he's done stuff he would like to do and overcoming a disability uh overcoming cancer very uplifting story, very cool person. So, I really enjoyed talking to him, and I hope you enjoyed as well. So, before we jump to that, just remember to follow me at Fortress Chris on social media and to go to fortresscomicnews.com for all the stuff for the show. And if you want to f- support me further, there's Substack, it's Chris's Comics Corner. Completely free, just doing some fun stuff over there. And uh, if you want to support the show, five-star reviews on all the podcatchers. Uh, do all the stuff on YouTube and uh, patreon.com slash Comics for those that want to go above and beyond. Enough of the shilling and all that fun stuff. Let's get to the awesome interview with Dan Connor. All right, everybody. I've got another very special guest for you all. Everybody, please welcome to the show Dan Connor. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, So we always do this with a new guest and I have to apologize, but we're going to put you through the gauntlet. Uh, I want to hear your origin story real quick. How did you get into comics and at what point did you see it as something you could do like creating comics or do professionally?
1: Yeah. So I was drawing when I was a kid. Um, I used to draw like Ninja Turtles and mutant characters and things like that. I had a sketchbook that I would draw in. And when I started reading comics regularly, I wasn't long before I was like, well, I could try doing this. So even in elementary school, I was just drawing comics, but I wasn't wasn't copying them or sharing them or anything like that. So once I was in high school, that was around when I heard about web comics. And I was also learning how to do websites And I, um, I was like, well, I can do web comics. So I did my first web comic in 2002, I think. Um, and yeah, and, uh, and I was still in high school and then actually in 2002 as well, I submitted to Antarctic press for the first time. Um, and that was for the Ninja high school annual. Um, it didn't make it in that year, but it made it in 2005. So um, I guess you know they just would have their their stock um, stock submissions that you know they they wanted to put in when they had the space. So 2005, they had I think it was 2005, they had the space. Um, but parallel to that, I graduated high school early, and I realized that Antarctic Press. Well, I'd already known because I'd submitted to them, but that they were where I lived in San Antonio, Texas. And so I called them up and I was like, "Hey, do um do y'all need like a janitor or anything?" Because <laughs> I'm thinking they're like some big office, some big, you know, a big building. And um and they were like, "No, but we offer internships." So I went down and had scheduled a meeting with them and showed them my mostly just my webcomic stuff and I got the internship. So I was pretty excited. And with them, you're not just like making photocopies. um, You're actually working on books, mostly doing flat colors, which if you don't know, flat colors is like, if um, like, if my face was a comic, it would just be peach. There wouldn't be any shadows or any textures, things like that. So you do the flat colors to then, get, um, to then get all the detail by the colorists. So that was one of the things that I did. And a lot of moving boxes as well. Um, boxes of books, because they would come in from the printer, and then we'd have to take them upstairs to the office. And then we would have to, a few days later, take them back downstairs to ship the diamond. Um, so... Uh, so I just, you know, got involved like right away with the publishing industry. So that was when I was like, okay, I can, I can do some of this stuff. Um, I went to college, finished it early um, and uh, finished it in a couple years and a few months. And then I didn't get an art degree though. I didn't think that that was uh, the right plan for me. Um, now I kind of wish I had gone to art school because I'd probably be a better artist than I am or things would come easier as far as um, perspective and uh, shadows and lighting and anatomy. I mean, my anatomy is off anyway. Like I don't really draw great in it. I mean, to draw cartoony anatomy, you have to know real anatomy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like my anatomy, like I still draw really big heads and stuff like that. Um, Relatively big heads. So, um, so anyway, uh, then I, after a little while I was looking for a job, a summer job, especially, and I, I called them up or emailed them and I was like, Hey, do you have any positions like that are available? And they did. So I got paid, um, to be a, uh, production assistant essentially. Um, And I did that, I think, two summers because I was substitute teaching during the school year since I had enough college credits to do that. Or once I finished college, then um, then, you know, you can just substitute teach with depending on the district. um, A lot of times that's all you really need is a college degree or an associate's degree even to substitute teach. So I was doing that. um, Wow. I can substitute teach.
0: What's that? I just learned I could probably substitute teach. <laughs> yeah, man, you probably could.
1: If it's something you want to do, it's actually can be a really good gig because it's day by day. Or if you're if you're lucky, you can get something long term, which I was able to do a few times. Um, but yeah, if you ha- if you have a degree and you don't really know what to do, um, the pay isn't bad. It's inside. You sit down most of the time. You pass out worksheets. You take roll. You. You know, a lot of kids try to act up when there's a substitute teacher. So that can be a little hard, but nothing terrible. Um, And then, uh, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Just check your local district and you could do it two days a week if you wanted, if you just needed to supplement a little bit. So that's what I started doing was a couple days a week. And then I moved to doing it pretty much full time. And then I got licensed to be a school teacher as well. So I taught school for a few years i um, taught special education, but now that's been like over 10 years ago.
0: Oh, so. that's you have all of my heart on that one. Cause that's oh, like a special kind of person to do that. Especially with somebody yeah. in my family who is uh, autistic and has a lot oh, of sure. special needs.
1: Yeah.
0: Love him to death, but I mean, it's a ha- he's a handful and yeah. I, I have him over and um, I spend time with them quite a bit. It's my nephew, but to do that full-time as a gig, I don't think I am the type of person that could do it. So, so much respect for people that do.
1: Well, thank you. It was hard. It was hard. And again, I did that for a number of years, but, um, but uh, didn't make a career out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and there's different reasons for that, but, um, but then I really, when I stopped teaching, I was like, okay, I need to make comics work. So I was doing comics on the side of teaching and I was doing web comics. I did a comic called heaven forbid that I did three volumes of a book of books for a lamppost. Um, and I did that when I was teaching. And then I started doing Mike out the zombie, um, which was actually like an alternate version of heaven forbid, but kind of took off on its own. Um, so I started doing that 10 years ago and I was doing more conventions, things like that really tried to make a go of it. Then I had another couple, a couple other jobs. Um, and then I got leukemia, uh, three years ago and I was in a coma three years ago. Wow. So that was pretty, pretty crazy. In fact, I woke up from it about three years ago, like around today or so. Um, not, maybe not the 22nd, but late October. Um, and, uh, then I got, um, some new disabilities, (laughs) um, from my chemotherapy and leukemia and, um, but I can still draw with my right hand. My left hand is not able to do as much as it used to. Um, but I can still draw with my left hand. So, and I've got some other issues as well, but so I've got disability and and then I do comics to supplement that. There are some times that, you know, maybe I could just do comics um but it's not so consistent and i'm also not really working it to try to make full-time money doing comics it's still something that i do i mean i'm doing conventions and appearances like i had one earlier today that just came up last week or during the week so that was why um i wanted to adjust the time um Mm -hmm. but uh um but yeah so i do a lot of I do a lot of appearances, signings and conventions and anywhere that I can sell my comics. Like it was a Halloween comic, not Halloween comic fest. It was a Halloween fest that I was at today. Um, and there were artists set up in different vendors and I was like, well, I could set up as a cartoonist there. So I emailed them and that worked out. Um, and then, uh, then I, you know, so I was giving out candy and showing off my comics and sold some, um, not as many as I would sell at a comic convention, but it's still not bad, so yeah, I just get out there like if I can almost every weekend at some event and in Florida, there's such population density and so many events. I'm about an hour from Orlando, so there's stuff in Orlando and there's stuff in Tampa, there's stuff everywhere, so it's not hard to stay pretty busy with conventions,
0: yeah, and I've uh so my parents live down there part- time and I've been down there quite sure. a bit. And uh, cool. the con scene down there. Um, I've been to a few, including like MegaCon, probably oh, cool. the biggest yeah. one. Uh, and the density of comic shops is yeah really cool. Uh, where I live up here in New York, I, I think we have quite a few, especially compared to like sure. some of the middle country places. Sure. But I have to drive forty five minutes to my comic shop. Like that's oh wow yeah so it I, I've always really impressed by the comic scene down in florida yeah it's and, pretty uh, good knowing all the the creators down there as well that we have on the show that i talked to outside of the show and everything it's yeah it's a really cool scene down there
1: yeah it's good and cgc's down here and yeah. um there's a yeah there's a lot of good comics up in florida
0: yeah so you, you you did all that and like amazing story about you know your uh leukemia and all that and coming yeah, out of crazy. that and the fact that you're still working it with some disabilities is incredible as well. And you've managed to take that. And now you're hitting some pretty big mainstream books as well. I mean, I know you've done cover a lot of covers for like IDW and Mm -hmm. um, we were going to talk about Archie in a little bit too. Has that been the bulk of your work is like cover work or have you, have you done anything else? uh, Um. Yeah.
1: well since uh since i have been in remission for cancer um because i wasn't able too much to do much outside of chemotherapy once i was out of the hospital i did uh i did inpatient chemotherapy and then i did outpatient chemotherapy for a number of months um that was two years ago so or maybe that was three years ago um anyway so I am in remission and uh, my, doctors think, awesome. my doctor thinks that I'm cured, but you can't say that before like five years. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I, I, it depends. It would be hard to do like a full-time full, like if I was doing a monthly book, that would probably be hard. I might be able to do it. It just depends on what type of book it was. Um, but so I've done a number of covers and I've also done for Anarchic Press some uh, Tomorrow Girl stories. So I did one for the I think it's actually in the Ninja High School swimsuit annual this, that comes out this year. I don't know if it's out yet already or not. I have the digital copy. Um, so I'm not sure if the printed is out yet. And then I did a story for I drew a story. I didn't write it, um, but drew it. My friend Patricia Krumpetich wrote it. I work with her a lot on comics um she's back in denver where i lived for like 12 years i've been in florida for less than a year now um but um she wrote a four-page story and i drew that uh, also featuring tomorrow girl and uh she's a Antarctic press superhero that's pretty great um so she's uh, that story's in the superverse festivus special that comes out in december um i think that's what it's called This is the first festivus special there's been but it's like a christmas issue so um so i've done those i've drawn and colored well one i the first was black and white um the fir- the the one in the swimsuit issue is black and white and i did like a beach story it was very like dc silver age she was fighting like a sand monster um that's awesome yeah yeah and then Um, then I, I colored the Festivus stories. So yeah, so I've done some other stuff, nothing too big as far as sequential pages. Like I haven't done a story for Archie. I'd love to, I think I could handle it. Um, but I need to finish up some other work first before I go and look and go go look for new big projects. Like I can do covers. I can do, it depends on the Depends on the cover. I can do a cover in a, in a couple days, a few days, two to three days. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still, like, all day. I could be faster. I think I did one. I think I did the Archie Halloween cover. I think I did that in a day. Other than the sketch, I'd already done the sketch of it to get approved. But I think I d- did the whole cover in about a day, actually. Um But that one was really good because, uh, I was very focused on it. You know, it was Archie and Betty and Veronica in a pumpkin. So I knew exactly what to do uh, for it. So that was that I didn't have to take like another day to figure things out. And I didn't really add anything, um, from the original sketch. So, um, so that was easier to do, but some of the others take a few days. Normally I need a couple days.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about the, the Archie covers a little bit here. So let's yeah. I mean, pull up, you have some coming out and what I noticed when we were going through them prior to the show um, looks like here's the sketch for the, the Halloween yeah. one is that yes. you have a style here that really works for Archie Yeah. Uh, with everything they do, especially like the classic Archie so it almost yes. feels like a throwback um mm-hmm. is that intentional when you're doing these covers or is that Completely. just how your style works out
1: um well that's how i learned to draw um about 10 years ago when i started doing my gal the zombie my goal was to draw it as like on model 50s and 60s archie and so i think that i was successful with that um the publish you know the staff that I've met at the publisher at RG which I've met a lot of the people there at conventions. Um, they seem to like that style. Um, and then I never did get um, any like story work or cover work until I started doing the exclusive variant covers. And uh, and then this this that you see here, can I yeah, okay, you can see my my uh, actually. There we go. There's the lasso tool. That might be better. Um, or this is probably good. Yeah, the mouse. So so this is with Famous Faces and Funnies, one of the stores uh, down here in Florida. A really great store. They've been nominated for an uh, Eisner Spirit of Retailer Award before. Um, but they're a great shop. So I did this with them. And, uh, and yeah, so the, in fact, that sketch was I edited it. This this one I'd already, I you can see that I moved Betty and Veronica a little bit, moved them over, made some changes to that. But the sketch is pretty similar. So that's what I sent to Archie um, to get. Oh, did I have, let me see. No, okay, that's fine. Um, so that's what I sent to them to get approved, to do the cover. And I just colored orange in for fun because I had an orange marker with me. (laughs) You don't have to do that. You can just do black and white, Um, but it's pretty loose. Um, So then I, yeah, I tried to do, like if you look at Betty's hair, they don't do her hair like that anymore. They used to do it like kind of in these circles um, down on top of her shoulders. They used to do that like in the fifties and even the forties. They don't do that anymore, but I really like it. So they let me do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's those little touches. Like I'm not, I'm not the biggest Archie fan, but it's Archie is so, there's such a classic look to it. Like I think that most, especially comics people can pull out Archie art, like it's it's own feel, it's own style and everything. Yeah. it's those little things that uh, really come out to me with it Where you're right. I could see this being in one of the, the early Archie books in the fifties and sixties and everything. And I, I think that's what works really well with your style and, yeah. and your covers. Yeah, no, I'd
1: love that. Um, cause when I reference Archie, um, how to draw it, how to get his hair right, things like that. I always go back to the older works. I go back to Dan DiCarlo a lot. Um, And especially his work in the, his work for Archie was great in the every decade till he stopped working for them. I mean, there's different things every decade that stand out that I like, but ultimately, I think I like the 50s and 60s the most. In fact, if you look here, you can see. So the girl's lips are black instead of colored in red Mm -hmm. or pink. And that's definitely something that, they they used to do, um, especially early Dan Carlo like the 50s, the girls' lips were just black. They didn't outline them in color and color them um, in. And I don't know if that kind of looks gothic or not, but I think it works for the Halloween cover especially. Um, but I can, I can actually show some others. So this came out this month, came out a couple weeks ago. Um, and then my thought was they're not actually in a pumpkin. But that this is like cardboard. I mean, not cardboard. Like, um, uh, what do you call it? Wood. Uh, not particle board. Plywood. That this is like a plywood like, stand up or
0: something, with some like, light behind it. Like kind of like an exact dancer coming out of a cake kind of
1: thing. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it's not exactly a pumpkin. Like it's way too big to be a pumpkin. Yeah. And then even the proportions are. It's kind of flat. It's not It's not really very rounded. So that's my idea is that they're standing behind it. And they're standing on something. Um, but I wanted to have at least their hips above it um, so that they're like standing down a bit. Their feet
0: are probably over here. Um, and, they, looking at it, it seems like they're on stage or something. And this is yeah. like the prop they're using to.
1: Yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, and then there's not really there's not really a background, a background elements like I don't have a house. Or trees. So that's another reason this was fast to draw. But what I did was I used, if you notice all the sunburst type effects, the lines, I used a manga tone for that. But I've actually used one other time. But I love it. It's So it's got like, like speed lines. And then uh, like, um, but some of it's got a pattern of circles that have been erased from it. So... I really love that screen tone. That's actually one that I bought. It wasn't um, that I bought on paper. It was not one that I got in like a download pack. So this was like Deleter, I think Deleter brand that I bought and then I scanned it in. So um, I just thought that would work really well. And I think it did.
0: Yeah. it Really pops.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So that came out this month. I'm trying to think if there's anything else of note really about it. Um, Veronica's hair. Uh, I always find her hair a little tricky because sometimes it's short in in older stories, but how it has some little like flips that come out, things like that. And the blue highlights can be a little tricky, Um, but yeah, her hair is different decade by decade. So is Betty's, but, uh, but yeah, but I very much do early Archie for like Betty's hair, which is how I like it. And that's another thing if i if I talked to them about just doing a story, I'd probably have to do on model for this decade instead of like forties or fifties or sixties, so which is fine. I could do on yeah. model for that um I haven't really talked to them uh recently about any of that, but uh but um you know who knows in the coming months I might be like, "Hey, I've had fun with covers. what else can we do so um. Yeah. And then that was the sketch. I've got it. That was actually on paper. I still have that on paper somewhere. Um, And then I did this Sabrina cover. This came out last month. And as you can see, like her head's really big, even compared to um, compared to this piece, Sabrina's head's huge. It's like the same size as her torso, but (laughs) I just enjoyed doing it that way. Um, in fact, yeah. I originally, originally I had the girls' heads bigger and the Halloween piece. And then a friend of mine was like, yeah, their heads are kind of big. So, um, But I like, I like this. I like this cover a lot. Um, again, not really a big complex background, just kind of like magical smoke is what I'm thinking. And then the stars, but it's got like the um, lightning coming out of her finger. We've got Salem there and we've got a broom and a mini skirt. Um, so yeah, that's my Sabrina cover that I'm really proud of came out last month.
0: It's yeah. And as somebody who doesn't have a very discerning eye for uh, those little details, the head wouldn't really pop out to me to be honest.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think it fits the piece and I I definitely, I do have some manga influence as well. Um, I bring that in with the old school Archie. So I, I, I have a little bit of that, that going on, but you can see this one here. It's got the filled-in lips. So I didn't do solid black lips for Sabrina. So I filled them in. And my mom said that this really reminded her of what she used to see at the grocery store when she was a kid. So
0: I was happy <laughs> about that. So. Yeah, it does have – that has like a, a 70s mom vibe going on. Sure. Like I think of that 70s show when you see okay. the older women in there. Like that's yeah. the kind of style that would – so, once That's again cool. fits that idea of you liking the classic Archie style. Yeah, a lot. Oh,
1: 70s Archie did great work in the 70s. Um, I've got a, I've got a, I think it's a DVD of it was released by Archie a couple like 10 like 15 years ago and it's every issue of Betty and Veronica for the entire decade. Um, so I've got a DVD of that. It's really cool. So you can look at them year by year. Um, so I, I really dig that, uh, DVD set. Um, but yeah, great, great work. Um, lots of, lots of bell bottoms, lots of bright colors.
0: So yeah, their seventies work was great. I would, I'd love to hear a little bit from you, um, as we're on this. I mean, as somebody who's never gotten really into Archie, what is it about Archie that really appeals to you? Like, what's the thing there that really keeps bringing you back to those books?
1: The humor, really, about it. Um, And Archie's the last one publishing humor books of that style. DC used to publish stuff that looked like Archie and was humorous like Archie. They had their own characters, and Marvel did too. Um, In fact, Dan DiCarlo worked for Marvel for years before he worked for Archie. He worked for some other publishers as well. Um, But, yeah, lots of publishers and other publishers that are out of business used to publish characters like Archie. And it's just like, I, I mean, I would say it's wholesome humor. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was struggling with some things a little while back, I was reading the digests and, um, I was just real, I would, I would read like a different digest story like every day or so. Um, and it just takes you away from your worries for five or 10 minutes. And, um, just has humor, like something silly. And that was also why Josie really appealed to me. Um, And I've got this coming out next month. Um, Josie stories are typically longer than Archie stories or Betty and Veronica stories. Um, At least the original Josie stories, they would be full comic length. Whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of Archie and Betty and Veronica stories are like five pages. So I think you had better storytelling in Josie you could, or more developed storytelling. Um, and it's just funny stuff. It's just, I mean, they're teenagers. I don't think it really matters that they're teenagers. its And especially as Josie and the Pussycats uh, progress, they're not really school stories. They're about the band. And I could relate to that because I was a musician. Um, and I just really enjoyed reading about this band of girls that dressed up in uh, leopard print leotards and had different it's kind of like Scooby-Doo different, Mm -hmm. uh, calamity ensues. Um, their manager's sister is a witch as well as Sabrina. And so like she would cause trouble for Josie and and she always wanted to be in their band. Um, but she never was. So, so I always, I really enjoyed for a little while in my life, um, over 10 years ago, I was really enjoying Josie stories because of, uh, I guess the simplicity of them and of, of it, of like the humor style. It, it's just Americana. I don't want to say simplicity in, in a demeaning way, but just America, just straightforward, straightforward. And you don't have to worry about continuity. You can just read a story. Archie might be dating Betty in this story and Valerie, uh, from the Pussycats in the next story. He dated her for a while. Um, and then uh, Veronica and another one. Um, he he'll just you know go out with different girls and whatever that story is is the is is what you're reading. And then the next month it might be different. And they do enough reprints in the digest that I, every month was a different Josie story. So um, that was pretty good. I liked Josie a lot before the Pussycats. Those are really really good comics. The Pussycats are really good too. Um, and I'm looking forward to this issue because it's. I think Josie's 60th anniversary, and it's going to have some of the early Josie stories as well as Pussycat stories. Um, and then there's the cartoon of Josie and the Pussycats from the 70s mm-hmm. that's really good. It's it's by Hanna-Barbera. It Actually, they had an episode of Scooby-Doo that they crossed over, um, but it's very Scooby-Doo. Um, they go up against monsters and things. And then the second season, they go to outer space. Um, and I think that the band goes to space in this issue. I haven't seen, I don't see the issues until they come out. I mean, I get them early and uh, I, not when they come out, I get them early from as far as when they're shipped um, before comic shops do. Yeah. But um, like, I don't get it before it goes to print. I get it after it prints.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, I understand what you mean by not wanting to use simple as a derogatory no. way but we talk about that on the show all the time too, where uh, occasionally you don't, I mean, you don't always have to do the complex hero story where like you're breaking down the superhero and um, Mike, who's my normal co-host on the show uh, is a big fan of just Godzilla comics because he goes, I just like to read about two giant Kaiju fighting each other once in a while. And it's like, yeah, yeah. so I, I understand what you mean when you're saying that. And uh, it's just, it's so interesting to me because it's, and and I think we all feel this way in some manner where there's something that's just outside of our wheelhouse. And to think that like Archie's been around for 80 years and Josie and the pussycats for 60 years and all these comics. Yeah. And for me, for someone like me where I just, I don't have the interest for them. It's amazing that they've lasted this long, but they've lasted as long. It's obviously because they're good. Like people are enjoying them like yourself.
1: Yeah. They, um, they put in a lot of, uh, a lot of quality work and yeah. Dan parents, one of their main artists right now. And uh, he does, he's been doing great work for them since the eighties. Um, so you get, um, yeah, you get, you get a lot of great team humor and band humor and um, what else, which is humor, Sabrina, uh, a lot of fun stuff. And they all cross over with each other, so um, so that's fun too. I think that Josie and the Pussycats make an appearance in the Sabrina annual just briefly. Um, actually, their manager's sister, Alexandra, um, she's I think teams up with Sabrina for a uh, a witch uh, challenge against some evil witches. It's something like that. Um, no spoilers. <laughs> so yeah, so they they even made an appearance there. And then Sabrina's in the Halloween spectacular, so that was really fun. But Josie's not in it yeah. too bad. But in a Betty and Veronica um, cover uh, issue that I did, maybe I have that cover. I can pull up. Um, Josie made an appearance in that one. So this is, it. I think, this is it here. Um, that might be my version before Archie put their actual logo on it. Um, cause I think the, and rock and roll was what I copied and pasted, but, um, but that was, that was fun. I really, really liked this, uh, cover. I need to, the store game changer that I did these with, they've got my stock of them. I need to get more copies of it, but, uh, yeah, so that yeah. I did that earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, and that that one's a little bit different than the other ones. It has, um, it feels more classic manga, actually, to me.
1: Well, this new character is very manga. Yeah. So I can't remember her name right now. Uh, Jola, I think. Jola Kit, maybe. I think that's it. So yeah, she definitely has a manga nose. And that was why I drew her as such in this one because, um, because that's how she was in the in the comic itself. So yeah, yeah,
0: that, that's, was a, that was a fun one. That's really cool. And so you've been doing you've been doing a lot of this cover work, and um, you, you talked a lot about wanting to do more with Archie. And uh, would would you want to just draw like a a story? Or sure. I mean, I know you're getting into writing. Would you want to write something yeah. for them? Like, what were you thinking when you're when you're thinking about talking to them about it?
1: Either way, um, I think I could write write pretty well, um, but I think I could draw it too. It would be a challenge for me to to do a monthly book, but I could do a five-pager. Most mm-hmm. of the new stories are five pages, so um, I could take a couple weeks and probably do that up, uh, feel good about it, because I want to be able to do it in a way that I like. And There's a lot of pressure of doing full stories, even the Tomorrow Girls stories that I did, especially the Christmas one. Um, I felt a lot of pressure doing that one. Uh, I mean, it was fun. It was good, but it's hard work, especially if you're normally, I'll color m- my own stuff when I do the stories myself. So if you're writing or I didn't write that one, but if you're drawing and you're coloring and you're lettering, um, it's a lot to do. So, but again, if I did if I worked, if I did draw for Archie, I'd probably cause they assembly line it. I probably would just draw it and they'd still get someone else to letter it and color it. Um, But I could, I could do, I, I mean, I've colored as well. I could, if I, I, the thing is, I'm not really trying to get regular story work from anybody right now. Mm -hmm. It's just easy to do some covers. And I mean, like I said, I stay pretty busy, busy with conventions and appearances that like I'll work on comics during the week and then I'll go do an event Saturday or Sunday or both Saturday and Sunday. And I mean, not that I don't go out of town or out of Florida. I was in Chicago. I was in Boston this year. Um, So I definitely like to, I was in Denver back in Denver where I lived. Um, So I definitely like to, to get out of uh, to fly different places, but Mm -hmm. I will also want to go to Georgia. Georgia's not far. I wanted to do a Savannah convention, but I didn't hear back from them. So I used to live outside Savannah as well. So it would be fun to do Savannah and Atlanta be good there i mean georgia is so close that i I probably would just drive it and then i could probably drive it there's some stuff in alabama not as much but there's some and then there's some stuff in louisiana so that's not far and then you get to texas if you go west and texas has a lot but texas is too far to drive for a convention but um georgia and alabama aren't so anyway um i stay pretty busy with that so i do a lot of my drawing is sketch covers (laughs) um because of the backs I do is as sketches. In fact, I can I can grab one just a second. So I typically do these where the back cover, I learned from Ben Bishop about doing this for turtles. The back cover is a blank. So it's like a regular sketch cover that you get on the front. Um, so that's on the back. And then I just do Sharpie sketches because these are not on sketch cover paper. Mm-hmm. That you can like pencil and erase. These are just Sharpies. So it's like a tattoo. It's like whatever you draw, like that's it. So this was uh, actually Josie on the back of this, uh, the Archie Halloween issue. Um, And so I do a lot of drawings of those. I'll do those at conventions and I'll do sketches like those all day um, at some cons at least. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I do a lot of those. I, I don't know of anybody else that does just Sharpie sketches like that, but it's easy to not pay for sketch cover stock. You can just do it on the regular stock and, then I can just grab a Sharpie and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I have a little more fun with it. I, yeah. I mean, I hear a lot from artists across the industry that uh, that cover works really is where it's at. Like it's kind of the, not to demean it, but it's like the in terms of like compared to like interior work, it's sure. minimal effort maximum reward kind of
1: <laughs> in some ways yeah. yeah well what i learned for nightmare before christmas zero's journey i i was the colorist for that 20 issue series and that was amazing mm-hmm. but I, what i realized was there was a different cover artist so i wasn't coloring the covers um and even the inter inside artists penciler and inker were not we're not coloring the, we're not drawing the covers. Oh, look at my finger twitching. See, that's some of my disability stuff. Like I'm not meaning to move my finger. Oh. It just twitches. Um, that's my left hand. So uh, so anyway, I would have my table with all these books and people just walk by and they'd say, oh, this looks great. And I would love that they said that it looks great because that's a great compliment on the on the work. But at the same time, they were complimenting the covers that weren't my work. And so yeah. I would still say, thank you. Cause people were being nice. Um, and ultimately it's still the same project. So I'm, I'm glad that they like it, but I'd be like, well, my work's inside. <laughs> <laughs> so cover work is great because like if I have a table full of my covers standing across my, uh, the, um, the table in fact, I bet I can get one of those pictures really quick. Um, if I have a table full of my covers. Well, I don't. I guess I didn't post it. I thought I posted it. Why is it not there? Weird. So if I have a table full of of my covers, then... Um, then even if i didn't do the insides you're still seeing my work yeah so like the these actually this issues is are really good and so is the recent sabrina issue and i know the new josie issue is going to be great as well um but even though i didn't do the insides when people walk up they see the covers so i can easily say this is my work and a lot of times you buy variant covers for the cover art i mean that's the truth people are they're buying this book that I hope I hope they read it, but they're choosing this copy of it for the cover art instead of the other cover, or maybe they collect all the covers. I just was buying the new She Hulk, uh, Sensational She Hulk this week, and I thought about buying multiple covers because there were great covers, but I just bought one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes,
0: that old adage, like, don't judge a book by its cover. But in comics, we have a business model that says judge a book by its cover.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you have publishers who are known for their cover work and known for their insides not being very good. Um, and no offense to whoever those publishers might be, but that's disappointing when you grab a book and it's got a really good cover. Even if the insides are great, like like the she, new She-Hulk. It looks amazing. The insides are great. Like, I love the book, but there were some covers that were very different and stylistically. So, um, so if you b- grab the book and you had like the Ryan Gonzalez cover and then you look in the inside, you'd be like, well, this is just as good, but it's very different. Um, and so. Sometimes you judge it and it's a little different style, but I do say judge a book by its cover because if, a, if it's a lousy cover, if a book has a lousy cover, it's probably a lousy book. If a book has a really good cover, mm, it might, depending on the publisher, it might not be a great book.
0: <laughs> but well, well, I always bring up the, I mean, Marvel is most notorious for this, and I personally love it, but I'm also, I've been reading buying comics for over 20 years now so sure. i'm a little bit seasoned on all this yeah but like uh alex ross has a ton of covers for them yeah alex ross doesn't do interiors anymore no like, <laughs> and His alex ross's style is much different from everybody else in the industry oh yeah
1: nobody paints like that yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so it's it's kind of funny um I think as this is coming out, the new issue of Immortal Thor is coming out and it's going to be an Alex okay. Ross cover True. and the interior art is beautiful and it's really great, but it's not Alex Ross. Right.
1: It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it can be kind of jarring for some, especially new people who are like, but I, but I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. That's hard. But but that's you know that's the model that the industry has set up over the years. I mean that's that's how it is. You got to get people to buy multiple covers. Well, and, uh, but
1: that's the cheat um, because anything else you have to buy a new product. If you're buying baseball bats, you have to buy a new baseball bat. For comics, you just have to replace the cover and you can sell another one. You don't have to do you don't have to do a monthly book or multiple monthly books. You could just do one monthly book and have two or three covers on it. And that's three different products. Um, And some people will buy all three and some people will buy one. Some people won't buy any, Uh, but you have a different cover. So it's a different product. And that's, um, that's a very, very good cheat. You don't have to make a whole new issue. You can have just a new cover and sell twice as many comics, maybe, maybe a third as many, 50% more, maybe.
0: Yeah. It's always been interesting to me because I've, uh, there's been a few times and I'm so I'm not immune to buying multiple covers oh, sure. for the most part. I'm just, I'm a cover a guy. Like just give me cover a, I just want to read my comic. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that there's people that go to my shop that buy as many, if not more comics than me, but in reality they're buying like four comics. Because they're buying yeah. four comics with every cover.
1: Right, 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 right. Well, and then you have, like like what I do, the um, the uh, the retail exclusive covers that you can mm-hmm. only get from that retailer or from the artist sometimes. Yeah. Um, you, you can't get them at the regular comic store. So if you want to collect, like Turtles has a lot of variant covers like that. And I have a friend that was collecting every cover of every book for Turtles, and that's a lot. And there are books that come out like last Ronin might have 50 covers just for one book um and so like number five I think that I had a cover for for last Ronin that had a lot of covers um and issue one did as well I think that it died down a little bit in the middle issues because I always say if you can't be first you got to be last so if you're not doing the issue one cover do the last issue of the series cover that I think that just makes the most sense. Who wants issue number two cover? And eh, I don't, Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the last one is the most significant um, after the first, I think. Um, so that's why I went for, and then I had to get it worked out for last drone in any way um, to, to do a cover for the last issue. Um, and that was actually very, very profitable because as those issues have risen in value, then I, then true. I mean, it's not uh, it's not a secret you can sell those for for more money so that's mm-hmm. the other another trick in comics is is when books go up in value and then you can sell them for the going rate um instead of selling it for eight bucks you can sell for more than eight bucks so when it comes out you might sell it for eight bucks but if the video game's announced and the values go up like with last Ronin, everybody this year I had more people interested in Last Ronin this year than last year when when the issue came out. And this year, everyone's like, "Oh, there's a video game coming out for this. I want to see the comic." And I'm like, "Yeah, man." Um, and so that that the video game being announced got a lot more non comic readers interested in Last Ronin, uh, Ninja, Ninja Turtles Last Ronin, and that's a good thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I love when that happens because things happen. And Walking Dead's always the example I give. When that mm. was like at the height of its power, um, my f- uh, retailer would always tell me, like, that show in particular did more to sell comic books than any Marvel movie mm. or any DC movie sure. because people were so in love with it. And they came and they're like, I heard this is based on a comic. And, you know, non comic readers think of comics as flights and tights, which. It is a lot, but nights and nights. Yeah. But then this thing comes out and like, but this is based on a comic. I got to see what this is. And they would yeah. buy the first volume and they, and it created comic readers what I'm saying. And yeah. I love seeing that with last Ronan now. And you're seeing a little bit more of some other things like spider verse, got a lot of kids interested in specifically miles Morales, but Spider-Man yeah. again. And, and yeah, it, I mean, the secondary part to that is, uh, Spider-Verse comes out and my uh, ultimate fault number 4 is now my retirement plan, but oh, sure. that's not the important part.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you bought that one when it came out?
0: Yes. I, um that's that one awesome? of that's one of my things uh that I have a complete run of is Miles Morales. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Every Miles Morales issue, so. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Every
1: appearance even in other books.
0: So, um I might not have like if he showed up in She Hulk, sure, twenty four or something. I probably don't have that, but I have all he the didn't. Champions issues he's part of, the Avengers yeah, issues he's cool. part of. So, um, but all of his solo books and the annuals yeah. and everything like that, because I yeah. I love that character from moment one. Like it was just oh, really cool. cool to see a reimagining of Spider Man. Yeah,
1: he's a good character, and he kind of he brought a lot of youth back to Spider Man, which Spider Man got he got old, he grew up.
0: Yeah, which when I look back on it, I was like, the reason I love Miles so much is because my other favorite spider person was uh, Spider-Girl. And Spider-Girl was another example of Marvel saying, we've got old, old, quote-unquote Spider-Man. Let's bring in this kid. We'll call it an Elseworlds or a different universe story. Yeah. And we can have like high school, college Spider-Man again. And that's where Spider-Man is at its best, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. No, Spider-Girl was great. I'm yeah. glad that they brought her back with some of the... Um, I forget what it was when they were doing all the different universes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things... Uh, they were Secret before. Wars? Yeah, probably Secret Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought her back again because it had been a few years. Um, and I really liked the Renew Your Vows run of... Uh, I guess that was Secret Wars of Spider-Man. That was mm-hmm. cool. And they had another a different Spider-Girl who was younger. Um so uh so yeah those are that those are those are things that get people excited and i think mm-hmm. that walking dead because you had one writer and a couple artists um but it was very cohesive yes. it was very much a narrative that
0: manga-esque well, in well in yeah and the, way, that's, sure. in the yeah. way it was released
1: yeah. yeah 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 and it's all one vision whereas mm-hmm a lot of other comics you get five issues of one vision and then it changes and you get somebody else on it or, or you've got the major crossover that it crossovers with crosses over with. Um, So it's gotta be part of secret wars or whatever, what have you. And, um, and then it's like, well, do you, did you want to read the crossover with everything else? Uh, did you not want to read that? And Walking Dead doesn't do that. You just read Walking Dead. In fact, I don't know if there's really any crossovers with Walking Dead. If they are, I bet they're very
0: few. Um, there's there's ancillary books, but yeah. like we're talking. So Walking Dead was weird. Uh, cause I was I was really into Walking Dead for a long. I still love that series. I think to the the end that book is very good, and uh, history will be kind to that book, but. They did like a Machone miniseries, but it was published in Playboy. Why? And then and then Yeah, and then later published as like one issue. I think it was like 36 pages. Sure. Um, they did like a Negan hardcover that was like a 96 yeah, page that. OGN. So they did stuff like that, but for the most part, you had just The Walking Dead. Yeah. And um I think the only thing not written by Kirkman is the I forget what they called it now, but Brian K Vaughan wrote it and it was oh, actually okay. a walking dead story set in Europe.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and it was part of his uh online uh comics thing he did that uh Private sure. Eyes came out of and a few other books he did. Cool. It was a cool story. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so uh getting on all that, uh, kind of moving on with y- your career You've mm-hmm. done all these great covers and everything. You're you're an artist, and you're you're also moving into writing, correct?
1: Yeah. Well, when I first got with Antarctic Press, they were like, "Well, they're like your your art's good, but your writing's better." So I was um, I was kind of geared more to be a a writer to follow that path. So my art's kind of caught up into some degree with the writing that I had started. Um, but then I was able to write the new. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas miniseries and thus graphic novel that collects the miniseries. So that came out last summer. It's doing really good.
0: Yeah, and that, that came out from Tokyo Pop, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Tokyo Pop. They license it from Disney.
0: So now, um, educate me a little about Tokyo Pop because sure. I had always thought that Tokyo Pop was a manga publisher.
1: They are. So technically, what I wrote for them was Disney manga. Um, so. Battle for Pumpkin King reads American way. I forget left to right, right to left, whatever way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Zero's Journey reads the reverse. It was actually penciled in Japan, the series that I colored. So first I colored uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. And then I was able to say, hey, I can write too. Uh, I tried to draw it as well, but my drawing didn't really cut it. And that's fine. Um, uh, But my writing did. So I got to write it.
0: So, So you wrote it. It was then... Sent to a Japanese artist, and they created it.
1: No, it was actually it was drawn by an Italian artist. Oh really? So, yeah.
0: in a manga style.
1: Manga enough.
0: <laughs> manga enough. I love it. That's, that's really funny because I, I hear um, I'm a very casual manga reader. Okay uh, I'll be getting more and more into it recently, but I hear a lot from that crowd. That they're like, well, if it's not if it's not made in Japan, it's not really manga. And I'm just like, I I pretty sure I see a lot of like manga influence artists out there nowadays. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. I could challenge that. And to hear you say that, and for for me feeling that these books I thought they were manga, at least uh, Tokyo Papa's manga, and I'd seen some yeah. art in their books and everything. That kind of proves my point.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have what's called like international manga, mm-hmm. um, or original English language manga O-E-L. And if it's done with manga-esque storytelling and manga-esque art, or Deborah Allo is the artist of Battle for Pumpkin King. Um, But uh, if it's done with manga story aesthetics, then I think it counts as manga. I mean, Antarctic Press has been publishing... That was one of the reasons I first read their books was they were manga styled, even though they were made in America. Um, but at that time you couldn't get a lot of Japanese manga in stores. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, now you can get this American manga. Um, so that was, that was one of the appeals to it. And Tokyo pop released a lot of uh, original English language uh, manga but, yeah, it's still manga. Now, some people say, well, it's got to be... Even when I worked at Andrew Press and we had people coming up at conventions and they'd be like, well, this wasn't drawn in Japan. It's like, okay, so what?
0: Did you yeah. enjoy the story? Yes? Okay, then what do you care?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there'd be people, they'd be like,
1: well, one time it was funny. They were like, well, this one was drawn in Japan, but these others weren't. And I was like, none of them were drawn in Japan. But I didn't say that. <laughs> so I don't know if they bought it or not. But, um But yeah, the the artist on that book could very much emulate a Japanese style. And there's a lot of different Japanese styles. There's a lot of manga that doesn't get released in the U.S. that looks different. Um, We we get the best of the best or the most popular of the most popular. There's tons of stuff we don't get.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I've, I've heard the other way around, too, where... Sometimes some of our comics make their way over to Japan and other countries, and but it's not everything.
1: It's oh, yeah,. Everything. <laughs> yeah, like I heard about the Japanese version of the Last Ronin in uh, graphic novel, so that was pretty cool. I haven't seen it, but uh, one of my Facebook friends has her pieces in it. I don't know if mine is, but
0: hers is in it, at least in Japan, yeah. so that's pretty cool. so when when you're presented with the Nightmare before Christmas mm-hmm. um, project, how do you how do you tackle something like that? Because that's such an iconic movie. That's also like, even for someone like me who's not a fan, a big fan of musicals. I mean, that movie's a musical. How does that translate to to comics or, or manga in this case? For you to tell the stories.
1: So we weren't able to do like songs in it. In fact, at one point we, I, I was. Uh, instructed to write some character, some part, not character. Well, I guess you're writing the characters, but, um, to write the, what I was writing in verse and rhyming, uh, poetry. And then they decided to not use that, which was fine. Um, so we couldn't do songs and we couldn't really do poems that much. We could not in, in mine, we didn't really have any poems, um, in what I wrote, but they already had the outline that, that was approved um, for it. So that made it easy. Um, all I needed to do was take the outline and make changes to it as Disney wanted, and then flesh it out. I mean there was there was a lot that, that was added, but they had the basic idea of Jack versus Oogie Boogie and um, And I'd actually written another piece that wasn't used, um, not yet at least. So we did a nightmare, another one we were developing that got put on pause, and I don't know if that's ever going to get released. Um, but uh, but yeah, doing Battle for Pumpkin King um, was was pretty good because I I just wrote it um, based on kind of editorial um, editorial outlines, so it was pretty good.
0: So so literally, like editorial had an outline. Like this is where these are the beats we need to hit along the story, and then no,
1: kind of like look at just an outline for the whole graphic novel. Where was like we want this to happen. Here's a game we want them to play, and then Disney said they couldn't play that game. Here's a competition. Disney said we couldn't do that, so we have to change it. Stuff like that. Um, so I, I I went in and made. The changes that Disney said, and then flushed it
0: all out. So, so Disney still has a strong hand in these, then. Like, they're Bob Iger's coming down and be like, no, they can't play dodgeball in this one.
1: <laughs> um, not Bob Iger, <laughs> but the Disney staff, but it wasn't dodgeball, but yeah, they yeah. were like, you can't do this, it's too similar to this other something. So, if they thought that that playing a certain game competition was too similar to another movie franchise they're like we can't do this so we just didn't do it
0: that's i'm, I'm sure that might have been a little frustrating on your end but as a fan i kind of love that because while disney there's a lot of criticism to go around about disney and sure some of it deserves some of it not um yeah. to hear that a ip that outside of like something like this and like a game like kingdom hearts. Yeah. They don't really do much with it. And I personally love that because the movie stands on its own. I don't think we need a ton of nightmare before Christmas movies. I agree. Um, But to do projects like this and to still have a strong hand on it, that shows an amount of care and love that they still have. That's really great to hear did that frustrate you at all in the process? Like, oh man, like I really wanted to have Jack do this, but like Disney's up my ass about it. Or did you just kind of roll with the punches and be like, well, I he'll do this instead, whatever.
1: Yeah. Just roll with the punches. I mean, um, when we were going to do some of it all in like in verse and poetry, and then we decided not to. So I rewrote that. That's just mm-hmm. how it goes. But, um, To me, I never really care because it's a great opportunity to be able to work on the project. So it's Disney's toys; I get to play with them. So if they say you can't do this, like, why do I care? Doesn't matter to me. If I have to rewrite something because Disney said they didn't want to do a certain thing, then I rewrite it. The book's still coming out, so I don't. Yeah,
0: because at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, when you're dealing with IP, you have to have in the back of your head like somebody else is going to come in after me and do something with it. So I can't break the toys. I have to put them back when I'm done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, Disney definitely cares what's done and they keep continuity across different mediums because the writer of the, the, the novels for nightmare before Christmas, um, she told me that there was something that she wanted to do, but apparently we'd already done that in comics or something. So like they, they keep the continuity pretty close.
0: That's uh, that in itself is quite fascinating to me. I would love to talk to somebody who's like the continuity expert for whatever brand doesn't matter because that's a lot. And then I think of like a franchise I love, like Star Wars, where we can amplify what's going on with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas by probably a (laughs) hundred and somebody's in charge of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, the the Nightmare Before Christmas book, it, it came out, so it's currently available for everybody to, to pick up?
1: Yeah, it's in stores all over. It's in Walmart. It's in Target. It's in Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and online, Amazon, the Tokyopop website. You can get it all over the place. I mean, literally Walmart. It's crazy.
0: That's insane right there. That's got to be yeah. like crazy for you.
1: Yeah, it is. I always thought that if you had stuff in Walmart, you kind of made it. So... So I'm really (laughs) proud of that. It's not a New York Times bestseller, but it's a publisher's weekly bestseller. So
0: that's awesome. That's great for any kind of comic work. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. So I'm thankful. So have have they announced anything further for you? Uh, Do you have anything coming up or
1: I personally don't, I don't know if they're working on some other nightmare before Christmas or not. Um, They haven't told me Uh, last I knew I was in, Great graces with Tokyo Pop. I'm on. Mean, you know, I love those guys and girls, women and men, and uh, and uh, I guess women, men, and non-binary folks, all of them. Um, I love everybody at Tokyo Pop. So uh, we we get along really well. So I kind of think that if there's going to be more to write, I might get a shot at it. But I might not. Maybe somebody else will get to. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'm just glad to get to do what I've been able to do and um i've got enough copies to sell for a while
0: awesome so so you got that out there you got some great uh covers are all the covers for archie for um the comic shop exclusive variants or they yeah available? they're all
1: variants for most of them are with game changer out of nebraska where i lived for a little while mm-hmm. um i've got a really good friend uh, we've been friends for a number of years now um who has a comic shop up in nebraska in a small town um and so were able to do the variants because he likes doing that Um, and I like doing it too and then um, then I have the one with famous faces and funnies in Florida
0: so a bunch of great variants Um, and then We'll see what 2024 brings for you. I'm sure you guys have projects you're hiding from me, but I understand
1: that. (laughs) I don't really have anything I'm hiding. If I did, I'd say, well, I'm working on this, but I can't say what it is. Uh, (laughs) No, no. Keeping it, doing a lot of, I I do conventions and signings and Halloween fests more than, uh, more than, I do those a lot, kind of more than drawing pages. I could probably make more money doing that than just drawing comics so uh it's not only about money but i like interacting with people i like going to conventions and halloween fests to meet people so i get to do that more than if i'm just at home drawing comics or at panera bread drawing comics
0: <laughs> well it, real quick because I, I do you've been very generous of your time and i want to wrap oh, it up you. when okay. you were doing the halloween fest uh did you get a lot of interest in the nightmare before christmas stuff
1: yeah yeah a lot of people were uh, Most. most a lot of it was because they're different vendors and selling all sorts of things like candles and there was a gymnastics studio that was advertising their Mm -hmm. their studio um so uh so yeah i got interested in a lot of people liked it but a lot of it was just kids wanting candy so that was fun
0: yeah it is halloween
1: (laughs) yeah well and then you don't really get i haven't lived somewhere that got a lot of trick-or-treaters in i don't know ever since I was a kid, maybe like a lot of people don't do the trick-or-treating anymore or neighborhoods, I guess, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how neighborhoods do it. When I, when I was in Colorado with my kids, we would go out on Halloween anyway. So we weren't staying home for trick-or-treaters. We would go out. Um, so, uh, so I don't know if our neighborhood got, I guess that we got a lot of, we got enough trick-or-treaters. The bowl would be empty but we'd always leave a bowl
0: out yeah, yeah I, I live out in kind of a country area so you have to drive into town and that's where all the trick-or-treatings happen sure. because nobody wants to walk for 10 minutes in between houses to
1: yeah that makes sense
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense but uh, uh, so dan like i said uh you've been very generous to your time uh, before you take off though uh, if people want to follow you online, find you at the next uh, Halloween fest or Thanksgiving fest or. Comic Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll do a Thanksgiving fest.
0: Where could uh, where could they find you online? Uh, any social um, media or.
1: Yeah. At crazy good Connor. So it's C.O.N.N.E.R. But uh, I'm crazy good Connor on my Facebook's almost maxed out with friends, but you can send a request on there. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Crazy Good Connor. And then on Facebook, my art page is Dan Connor Comics. So once I'm maxed out with friends, everybody can follow me at Dan Connor Comics on Facebook. But usually I just post on Facebook on my own page.
0: So to everybody out there listening, uh, go check out the, the in- Instagram, Twitter, all the fun social media. And find out where Dan's going to be at next so you can go get uh, some cool variant covers. Yeah. Or if you're nowhere near Dan, which is more likely, uh, talk to a comic shop. If you're a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, the book sounds great and uh, the art and it's really cool. So Thanks. you'll probably enjoy that. And I'm sure they yeah. will be able to order copies through Diamond or Lunar, whoever is yeah. distributing it. So, uh, Dan, thanks so much for spending the time chatting today. I I do really appreciate it and uh, wish you the best of luck in next year with some cool projects. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. It's been a lot of fun.